Awesome, guys. Thank you. Oh, isn't it good to meet in the house of the Lord and praise the Lord all together? Amen. Yeah, come on, give it up. That's right. Love it. Thank you, Jordan. It only takes one, right? It's awesome. Uh, it was, it's really funny. We just moved into Yukaipa, and uh, a lot of people were telling us, hey, man, that is that's rural. You know, Yukaipa's rural. And I'm going, <laughs> my wife and I are like, rural? We lived in a mile and a half off a dirt road. We had one neighbor for three years. One neighbor! And it took us a year and a half to meet them because they had five dogs about this tall and their yard was so long. And uh, you talk about quiet. Quiet, like so quiet it hurt. You ever been in the silence where it's deafening? Like silence that just hurts your ears? That's what we came from. <laughs> so now we're, we're here in Yukaipa and I'm like, oh, it's like New York City here, you know? <laughs> Some of you, guys, you know, some of you live in Redlands or other areas. You're like, that's no, not a city. Well, to us, it's a city. I mean, I can go to the bank in five minutes. My wife left to go to, to get some food because we're still moving in and we didn't have pots and pans, and so she went to KFC down the street. She came back in like seven minutes, and the kids were like, "Aren't you going to go to get food?" And she's like, "I already, I already did it." And they were like, "What? <laughs> we thought you'd be gone for 45 minutes because that's how long it took if we if we went out and did stuff." Anyway. So thank you all for, for your help and, and, and doing that uh, and, and helping us and stuff. We're in that process. But we're really excited. We love being here. So great. I am so excited about what God's doing. We're starting a new series this, uh, this week into uh, Easter, which is coming up soon. And if you guys notice, in fact, let me grab, there's cards down here and some of you got them. These cards are not for you. Even though they're, you're, they're yours right now, these are for your neighbors, these are for your friends, these are for your co-workers, these are for you to, you know, it's a great time. A lot of people come, come to church on Easter, they'll, they'll make it their only time they come, because um, it's kind of that obligatory thing that sometimes people will do, oh, I should go to church once, but that's okay, because at least they're coming, and this is a great time for you to say to that neighbor that maybe you've been praying for, or that friend you've been praying for, hey, you know what, our church is doing two services, because we want to accommodate, I know it doesn't look like this, but we were busting at the seen last week. Um, if we have everybody show up on Easter, we're going to be crazy busy. So some of you might want to come to the 8.30 so that we leave room for those at the 10.30. It's all up to you. But we're doing those two services for a reason because we really believe and we're praying that we're able to connect with the community in a big way and get a lot of people that, um, that normally wouldn't hear about Jesus to hear about Jesus. We just want to make room. So yeah, yeah, come on now. That's right, Marissa. Awesome. <laughs> so these are, these are for you. We're going to be passing these out on market night. With, uh, with free balloons, hopefully, because what family doesn't want a free balloon for their kid, right? So every kid's like, balloons! Like, no, it's too expensive. But hey, we got free balloons. And, and we're going to be passing these out. We're going to go to the, um, all over. And we just want people to know that, that the mission is here to connect with the community. That's what we want. We want to connect with the community, and we want to connect the community to the Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're really excited about that. Hey, I'll shut up about that now, though, because... Uh, I want to get into God's message. There's some great stuff here, and we're really excited about this, um, the idea of the risen or risen life. Uh, we're going to be doing this for five weeks, and, and the end goal of this risen life, we're ending it with baptism. And I want to be very intentional right on, right on the front. I'm just going to front load this in being very intentional. The idea of the risen life is, is, is such an awesome thing. This is something that only Christianity offers. The idea of, of a God that came down 
and died for you and me, but was risen again and has risen for you and me so that we can live a risen life. And the idea of baptism is just that. You go under and you come up risen in Him. And so I'm really excited. If you haven't got baptized yet or if you haven't been baptized and you're looking at that or thinking about that, we have a sign-up sheet out there. And we would love to end. I mean, I think it's the perfect ending of, of, of Easter and the risen life just to, to end it with baptism and all that. And we're also going to have a big barbecue. Who doesn't like Barbecue. Come on now. Barbecue. It's American style. We'll do it American style too where we eat way too much. All right? That's, that's what we do. So it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, I think if we're going to be talking about the risen life, we also need to talk about zombies. Right? You guys with me on that one? Um, <laughs> you, we have a phenomena here in America today. And, and really, it's interesting. Starting with the Night of the Living Dead. Anybody old school, Night of the Living Dead? I mean, the old, old one. Yeah, I think it was in the 50s it came out, 50-something. Or was it 60s? I can't remember. But we've been in this zombie craze or undead craze for a long time as Americans. I don't know what it is, but we just have this, this, this fascination every couple of years. In fact, one of the highest rated, or not rated, but watched movie miniseries today is The Walking Dead. Which is interesting, you know, and it's, and, and it's kind of one of those guilty pleasures because no one likes to see people running from, from zombies trying to chew off their heads like, like me. I mean, I love it. I don't know what it is, but there's something about the undead and, and the living and, and this, this battle that they wage. You know, the interesting thing is the Bible's been talking about this for thousands of years. The, the Bible has, is talking about, has been talking about zombies for, for, since the beginning of time. Because, see, we have this thing called sin, which has made us dead to the things of God. Has made us dead to the things of life. And, and, and honestly, I think we, we kind of muddy this sometimes because we use that big you know, theological term, sin, and it scares people away. But really what we're talking about is death. We're just talking about death. I mean, when we do funerals and we see somebody die, we hang our head because we know something's wrong. We know something's wrong. When we see marriages falling apart, we know something is wrong. You see, when we see relationships crumble and, and break, we know something is wrong. When we turn on the TV and we see those, those stories about kids being abused or, 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 or not getting enough to eat, we, we, death is everywhere, isn't it? The undead are walking amongst us. And if we're honest, we allow this death to creep into our life and in our homes and gnaw on the things that are alive. We go to work, right? And just clock in. Why? So that we can clock out. All the while, just to get that paycheck, when the reality is God has had you since the creation of this world. He's known you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. Why? So that you can be a light on a hill, salt on an earth that needs living, living beings created in a new humanity through Jesus Christ to reach those people at work. Not just to clock in and clock out. See, a big problem we have in all this is we make unimportant things important. Can I just say that again? We make unimportant things important and important things unimportant. We have traded life for death. We've traded life for death. By the way, I say we because that's me too. And whether you're a believer or not, there is a constant battle being waged against this risen life to trade life for death. We work so hard to win that special person we marry, right? We woo them. We work. I mean, guys know this. It ain't easy to get that woman to appreciate you, right? It's like it's a lot of guys, you have to work hard to get that woman to like you. 
Some of you guys are like, yep. If you didn't work hard, then you just might be Fabio or Jordan over here with the hair. I told him I want hair like that. I told him my wife, if I had hair like that, my wife would have been like, you know, I wouldn't have to try at all. You know, I just go, what's up, baby? You know, <laughs> she'd be, she I want to date that guy. But, you know, you, you, we do this. We work so hard, so hard to get that spouse. And, and we put in so much effort and so much time. And then the years go by. Death creeps in. And we say, I told you I loved you three years ago. What's, what, what's the problem? <laughs> and we allow this death to creep into our marriages. And we don't fight for it every day in the love and the affection and the attention that it needs. We allow relationships to degrade from neglect and lack of attention and care when God has placed us in our family for a reason. And I'm guilty of this. My brother will call me sometimes just be like, hey, I haven't heard from you in like six months. Oh, I'm sorry, I just got so busy. Bull. I just let death creep in. I should be calling him more often. I should be talking to my dad more often. I should put important things in their spot and unimportant things back in their spot. Do you get what I'm saying? Death. It creeps in. We go home to our neighborhoods full of death. We go through our gate. We go through our door. We double lock them. We get inside and now we're safe. And the whole while, Jesus has placed us in His Spirit, in our spirit, the risen life, which says hospitality. There is no such thing as a stranger danger. These are strangers that need to be in our home. These are strangers that need a place. These are strangers that need Jesus. See, when I moved in, we're, we're intentionally trying. We, we want to meet our neighbors. And shame on us if we don't. And that's just saying for, for my wife and I. I'm not saying for you necessarily. But honestly, you need to know what God's saying in your life about your neighbors around you. Because I want to go out and meet them. And not just to check them off my list, but to say, I love Jesus. And I just want to love you. You want to borrow my lawnmower? Go ahead. If it breaks, I'll take care of it. But I want to be a neighbor. I want to be life. I want to be light. Do you get what I'm saying? This is, this is what it means to bring grace to the graceless. And see, I don't know if you were like me, but when I was raised a lot in the church and everything else, uh, I, I found many Christians were way too concerned about one day getting to heaven and not realizing that Jesus rose from the dead to give the risen life so that we might live heaven now here on earth to those who are in hell. Let me say that again. We're not so concerned about living now to get to heaven later. We need to live the heaven that Jesus has brought us through the risen life so that we might live that heaven here and now. That's the point. You see, and that's what God has come to do. He hasn't just said, here is your ticket to ride when you die. He said, this is, this is the freedom and the real risen life that I want to bring to the world around you, that needs you. There is no plan B. We're it. And you might be the only Bible that your neighbor ever reads. You might be the only Bible that your co-workers ever see. And I'm hoping, I'm praying that as we go through this and looking at the risen life, that you start to see that God has chosen you before the foundations of the world to live in such a way and live out of death and live life. The life that Jesus came to bring. Amen. So, I want to challenge you guys this next five weeks. Please, don't miss this. Be inviting people to see the risen life that God wants us to have. 
Where is God calling us from death to life? So let's rise out of reverence for God's word and we're going to go ahead and read out of Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at the book of Ephesians for the next five weeks, Ephesians 2 through 3. And I believe there's just some great stuff here that the Apostle Paul wants to bring into our hearts to show us the risen Lord. All right? So let's go ahead here. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Like I said, right? Hey, we're talking zombies. Apostle Paul wrote it 2,000 years ago. When people say the Bible isn't cool or hip, you go, oh, contraire, mon frere. I don't know why you're speaking French right now, but maybe you will be when, you, when they say that. But it's right there. Wait, the undead, the Nosferatu, walking amongst us, right? You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else, but... Love this. Love the buts in the Bible. But God is so rich in mercy and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved for He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms because we were united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to all of us or to us in all the future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness toward us as shown in all He has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank You. May we just receive what Your Spirit is telling us. May we just hear what Your Son is saying and whispering in our hearts and our ears. Lord, it is all about King Jesus. And we just want to know what this risen life is so that we might step up because you've stepped in. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Now, this is interesting because Paul here, if you guys know some of the history of Ephesians and Paul in general, Paul was Saul. Before he got his name changed, he was Saul. And he was a Pharisee of of Pharisees. He was like a top Pharisee. Which basically meant, at that time, you would barely have ever seen him. And it wasn't because he, he wasn't popular, necessarily, or it wasn't because he wasn't walking around. It's just he would have done his best to stay away from all you goys. That's a kind of a Yiddish slang term for Gentile. European, African, you name it. Anybody that wasn't a Jew. Which is basically you and me. Unless you're Jewish. But even if you were Jewish, he would have been like, well, what kind of Jew are you? Are you a good Jew? Are you a, you know, because he was a top Pharisee of all Pharisees and you would never have been able to talk to him. He wouldn't have let his shadow even touch you. He would have stayed clear of you and you wouldn't have never have gotten to his house. That's for sure. He would never have come to see you in your house because he was a good Pharisee, which basically meant he was a religious bigot. That's the truth. As Saul, he, in fact, he persecuted any other religion. And in that time, before he became Paul, before he met the risen Lord, he went out of his way to abuse, to beat, and to even murder those Christians who were talking about this Jesus. Because he was not just a religious bigot, he was a terrorist. 
He was a terrorist. And even he admits it many times in the scriptures when you go through. And he talks about this in the book of Acts. And he talks about his story. But we have a religious bigot, a terrorist. But he meets the risen Lord. And what do we see in Saul? We see eventually Paul. The risen Lord living through. And what he does in the book of Ephesians is awesome. Is he talks about this idea of the risen life. And what is so awesome about this is it's you and me can have the same risen life. And you and me can see the same transition in our life, in the death that we had and the death that he had. We share in this history. You see, death has invaded everyone's, everyone's life. Everyone's. Because he's writing to the Ephesians here. And by the way, these are all people that were Gentiles. This was a multi-ethnic, a multicultural, a multi-generational church that Saul would never have talked to. And yet as the risen apostle that he is, because of Jesus rising from the dead, he's now living the risen life and he's writing to these people. He's talking to these people. He's praying for these people. He's in their homes. He's putting his arms on these people and he's loving them as they need to be loved. Which he never would have done without the risen life. And I I say this because some of you are like me. You have a history of hatred. You have a history of anger. You have a history of bigotry. You have a history of selfishness. You have a history of shame. You have a history of guilt. Just like Paul. Just like me. You see, in your past, it stinks like death. It stinks. Anybody ever smelled death before? It ain't pretty. I, uh, I worked my, one of my first jobs. Now, I had a lot of jobs. When I was 15 and a half, my wife, before she was my wife, she was a neighbor of my aunt and uncle, and she said, I can get you a job at the animal hospital I work at. And I thought, cool. Because I really want, I mean, not that about animal hospital. I was like, whatever, I just need a job. So I got this job at the animal hospital at 15 and a half. Oh, my goodness. I did not know what I was getting into. The first day on the job, he said, we had a Korean uh, a veterinarian there, Dr. Park, awesome man. I would still bring my dogs and animals to him if it wasn't so far away. But, but basically, he said, mm, Chris, come here, hold this. So I, I grabbed the, the, the cat and I held it. Now, he didn't really tell me how to hold it. And if you know, when you're doing surgery on a cat and you're cutting off like the, the, the claws, there's a lot of blood. And so I let go and blood went everywhere, like all over. And I'm like, oh! You know, and he and I was like, whoo, and we finally got it under control. And then afterwards, he's like, now you clean it up. <laughs> that was hard. That was a good little intro to my job at an animal hospital. But one of the worst things that we ever experienced, in fact, if you're in the medical field or if you're anywhere near that, is when a cat or a dog came in and they had gangrene and they had basically an appendage that was dead. See, the body was alive, but there was a part of the body that either had gotten run over or something happened to it, and a part of that body died. And it was disgusting. I mean, I'm just saying, it was gross. And it smelled to high heaven. I mean, like nothing I've ever smelled before. And if you talk to anybody who's ever done ambulance or sheriff or police or fire that's worked around death, they carry with them sometimes that Vicks vapor rub. That, that, that mentholatum, and they'll put it under their nose if they have, because it smells so bad it makes you want to vomit as soon as you smell it. See, this is the death that the Bible speaks of. 
It's not just this physical death, it's also a spiritual death. And this is what Paul is reminding us of in that first part. He says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. See, once you were dead, if you've come to the risen king, you're not anymore. But once you were, we cannot forget that. We cannot forget that, that we, the only difference between us and the people who have not risen with Jesus is Jesus. That's it. We breathe the same air. We have the same past. We have the same history. We have the same death. And he's reminding us of that. You know, the only thing that we could do with that dog, by the way, or the cat that would come in, is cut off that appendage. Because when it was dead, you couldn't save it. That was it. Done. And sometimes the life of the animal had to be killed as well. And Paul is reminding us of the death that we were a part of and how we were cut off from the life that God had for us. And some of you know this. Some of you are experiencing it still in the world around you. The life that God wants for you is not happening because you're still with that death. And it stinks. And you spend more time trying to cover it up than you do trying to give it to Jesus. See, this is sin. Physical and spiritual death. Being cut off from God, the author of life. This is what sin is. It's not this theological huge thing. It's basically just being cut off from life. The tree of life. See, in the Garden of Eden, there was the tree and you had Adam and Eve and, they, and God was like, you got everything. Everything is yours. Whatever you want, take it. I've given it all to you. But we weren't content with just everything. And, and, and Adam stood there next to his wife while Satan, in chapter 3 of Genesis, just tempted them and said... God's kept something from you. You don't understand death. You see, God was protecting us. But we said, no way, God. I want from that tree. And because Eve took it, we have the six o'clock news today. Right? We have the death all around us. And because Adam didn't say a word as she did the talking, and they both partook of the nastiness. See, where in your life does it stink? Where are you trying to cover up the death with perfume and bandages? I was talking to a friend of mine recently, and, and I've gotten to know this guy. He's awesome, and he's kind of a big deal. I don't say that about a lot of people, but he actually is. He's kind of a big deal. He has a very highfalutin job, you know, a very, like, uh, uh, out there. Everybody sees him. Everybody kind of knows him. Um, he's, he's in a national scene, and I was talking with him, and it was interesting, because I haven't talked to him for a while, and I know he just really got into this new job, and he was starting this whole thing, and we're like, how are you doing, you know? We're just sitting around, just talking with a couple people, and, and he's like, you know, I love the job. It's great. It's great. But you know what? My family, it, it's, it, it stinks on my family. And my family's suffering. And I don't know if you've been with somebody, but typically what we do is everything's great. Everything's good. How are you doing? Fine. You know, as your house just fell down in the last earthquake. Fine. You know, you, don't, you, you, you just, you, that's who we are. We don't share it. We don't reveal it. The death's there, but we try to cover it up. Oh, my marriage is awful. You know, What? Yeah, my finances, we're bankruptcy. But we don't share those things. You know, we cover it up. We cover up the death. We cover up the destruction. But he didn't. And here's a guy that could have very easily. And we took that time at that moment to say, I am so sorry. And we prayed for him and we ministered to him. And it was crazy because it was like, dude, you're like a big deal. I'm just a little guy. And you're sharing this. And it really opened up my eyes to 
You know, there's death in everybody's life. It's tough. But he was trusting on the Lord. And we were able to lead him to something. Lead him to Jesus, the, ri- the riser of the dead. You see, God doesn't want us to cover up. I, that's what I loved about junior high, by the way, working with junior high. still love junior high today. High school is great too, but they get a little smarter at covering stuff up. Junior hires are just, I'm sorry, but they're dumb. They just are. But I like that. I like the fact that they're dumb because they can't cover up really well. They really can't, you know. I mean, I mean they, they just don't know how to hide their stuff. They don't know how to hide death very well. They're still getting used to it. And I think that's an interesting thing because most most of the people, and the best ministry I ever had was in junior high. The, the best time I had of people coming to Jesus was in junior high because they could not cover up the death. And so we'd be like, hey, you stink. And they'd be like, I know. What do I do? You see, everyone has it. But as we get older, we just get better at hiding it. By the way, this is why many of us turn to religion. Because religion is all about covering up. It's all about hiding it. You see, if I just do this, or I just do that, then maybe no one will see it. If I do this, and if I buy that, and if I please God here, then... You see, when Adam and Eve fell, what did they do? First thing they did is they realized they were naked. Oh no, we need to cover up. So they went and got fig leaves, and they put them all over them, and then they hid. And that's what we do when we see the death, and we hide, and we cover. And religion was... It'll never do it. It'll never fix it. Because that smell, by the way, it's always there. It's always there. It was like me the other day as we were moving in. And we were doing all of our stuff. And I'm just going to be real with you. I didn't take a shower in a couple days. I just, I couldn't. We were too busy. I didn't have a shower to, to, to get into. Our shower head was busted. I had to go buy it. So a couple days, I mean, I'm putting more and more, like, cologne on. And pretty soon it's just like... Yeah, I'm smelling like a European. I'm sorry. <laughs> but some Europeans, I mean, they, they, like, not all. Savannah's are, or Susanna's are, are, are European. Not all. I'm just saying, some of them, it was like, whoa, my goodness. Well, you need to take a shower, brother. And that was me. That was me. Because you can't cover it up after a while. My wife's pointing at me. You're in trouble. <laughs> I put my foot in my mouth. See, death just comes out. I tell you. But death can't be covered up for long. Ultimately, it will get you. It will get you. Many times we smile and act like all is good, cover up the death with good deeds and go into church, but the death is there slowly rotting away. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with going to church. I pray that more people will come, and, but this is not what saves you. You don't do more to get God. You see, the risen one has come for you and me so we don't have to do more and more. Death has invaded everyone's life. And I know this is, you're kind of like, geez, Chris, I mean, is this, praise the Lord, brother, right? Death, hmm, everybody leave now. No. (laughs) See, the greatest thing, and I said this before, the Bible's got big butts, and I cannot lie. (laughs) The Bible's got big butts. And I cannot lie. I love the buts in the Bible. This is so true. But God. But God. You see, he doesn't end there. Because Saul could look at his life and say, death all around me. Death inside of me. But God. You see, this is the difference. Because an undead person cannot make themselves alive again. 
has to be outside. This is why humanism will never work. Because we can never pull ourselves up out of death. You're dead. You never saw a zombie switch. I'm sorry, there was that one movie out there where he became alive again. Mm-mm. I'm not seeing people rise out of that grave. Not today. You see, and here we have Jesus. This is what I love about the Apostle Paul. But God is so rich in mercy. And He loved us so much. That even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us what? Life through Jesus Christ. Whom He raised from the dead. And it's only by grace you've been saved. God, that's a gift. The gift of God. See, the risen life is offered to everyone and is completed by Jesus. You see, this is why God so loved the world. What? He gave His Son. He so loved the zombies roaming around, spreading death, eating on the living. He so loved it, He sent His Son. He did not hold back. He gave everything. That's what's so awesome about the Bible. That's what's so amazing about the Bible. It's one big story. Listen to this. The tree of life in Genesis chapter 3. Look at John chapter 15. Awesome stuff. What do you have? Jesus says, I am the vine. I'm the tree. You see, the tree of life has not stopped giving. He's just said, look to me, the tree of life. And if you remain in me, you abide in me. This is awesome stuff. God, through His grace, sent His Son so that we might be the people that He created us to be since before the world was made. He loved us so much. Don't, don't miss that part. You see... You can't love others until you love yourself and you really can't love yourself until you know how much God's loved you. He did it all. All we have to do is receive it. You see, when I was young, I got this backwards. I used to think I'd go to church and I'd go, okay, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do more. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make myself rise. And you know what? It failed and failed. And I got tired. I got tired. Because I would try to do this and not do that. But I'd end up doing this and I, and I didn't do that. Some of you have been there. And what I got trapped into is what Dallas Willard calls sin management. I became a manager of my sin. Okay, if I don't do this, if I don't do that, or if I do this, and I, and it was, oh my gosh, I lost myself in managing my sin because guess what? I couldn't do it. But what happened was, after time, I started to realize, oh, when Jesus said it was finished, it's finished. When He was up on that cross, and honestly, it's not about me managing my sin, it's about me following my Savior. And I stopped thinking about what I can't do or what I can do and what all this, and I just sat at Jesus' feet. See, we, we need to stop striving for victory and see that Christ has already achieved victory over death. We need to stop striving for victory and see that Christ has already achieved victory over death. This is grace. If you want a really good book to, to understand this, read Brennan Manning's book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. He just preaches grace after grace after grace. Such a good book because honestly, it's like there's nothing you can do, loved ones. There's nothing you can do, brother. There's nothing you can do, sister. It's grace. God's already given it. Just live it. Jesus raised us from the dead. I love Galatians 2.20. As Paul's talking about this, by the way, in in chapter 2, in Galatians, Paul is talking to all these people. Who, who in Galatians are getting like swept up in this idea of trying to rise, raise themselves, trying to do this on their own, trying to live without the grace of God and trying to live by the law. 
And he says in Galatians chapter 2, this is the crazy part. He's like, I had to go to Peter. I had to go to Peter, the apostle Peter, one of Jesus' top three apostles. I had to go to him and say, stop it. It's a great passage. I, I hope you look at it. It's awesome. He says, I had to go to him and say, stop it. Because Peter was trying to make all these Gentiles get circumcised. Why? So that Jesus would love them more. And Peter's like, you, you know, you need to do this. And Paul was like, you're wrong, Peter. He called him out. He called him out. Because there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do to, to achieve victory. It's completed by Jesus. He's the victorious one. So Paul had to lay into him. And I love this, what he says in verses 19 through 20. He says this, For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. See, when I tried to strive for it, I lost it. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might, what? Live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. You see, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I, you notice he didn't say, I do better. He said, I trust God more. I trust him more. Isn't that awesome? Christian, if you're trying and striving, stop. Stop. Don't do it. Jesus already did it. Go to his feet. Spend time. Listen to him. Can I just be real with you really quick? Can I, can I just confess with you? Moving makes me a real bad sinner. <laughs> I hate moving. It's like, I was talking to Brandon the other day, and I, honestly, I think hell for me, if I were to go to hell, it, Satan would have a pitchfork in my back and make me move everybody who's coming into hell. And all their stuff. I mean, honestly, like, I hate moving. And I hate cleaning up other people's messes. Lord bless the lady we moved into the house, but she had nine dogs. And they were in the house all the time. And I don't think she ever cleaned up parts of that house for ten years. I was a grump. I was mean. And I would wake up and I'd say, I'm going to not be mean today. Yeah, that didn't work for me. I'd say, Lord, I'm going to do better today. I'm not going to yell at my kids. Didn't work. I still yelled. You see, some of you, you're going into work and you're saying, I'm going to do this for you, God. Some of you are going to school and you're saying, I'm doing that for you, God. Some of you are going to your family. Before you get in that house and you park the car, you sit there and you go, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to purpose to do this. I'm going to strive, strive, strive. And guess what? You die, die, die. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know what works? Letting Jesus do it. You see, I had to sit there and I had to say, Lord, I can't. I can't do better. I'm, I'm full of death. But I know the risen one wants to lead me in the risen life. So Lord, work through me. Don't help me to do it. You do it through me. You see the difference? It's subtle, but it's so much more. That's what it's about. If I ever get up here and say, do good works, shoot me in the head. WWJD, what did Jesus do? You're going to be going for a lifetime trying to do what Jesus did. You can't do what Jesus did, but you can let Jesus do it through you. Do you get the difference? So 
See, the word here for saved in verse 5 is sosa. It's an awesome word. It, it literally means to, to keep safe, to, to pick up and keep safe. But it's not just something that's like, hey, I saved that three years ago, or I saved that five years ago. No, this is a continual saving. This is a continual keeping in the grasp. It's a continual, hey, watch out, this is mine. You ain't touching this. You ain't touching this. And I used to sit there when I was, when I was young and I'd go, God, I'm sorry for doing this, but then I would think, what happens tomorrow if I do it? You ever been there? Yeah, like, I'm a sinner. I'm going to make a mistake. He's like, I got you, Sosa. I'm continually saving you. I'm continually working in your life. I am so dynamic. I'm bigger than the grave. I'm the risen one. Let me live through you. And see, God doesn't just tell us. He kicks open the door. He comes in. He puts his bed down and he gets in our house and he stays with us. And he sosas us every second, every day, every week, every month, every year. And he says, I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you. Because I believe in you. And not because you're awesome, but I'm awesome. And I'm doing it. Jesus is big enough for all the death. Can we just say it? And can we live it? I had to admit it. Jesus, you're bigger than the death that I'm bringing to my family during, when I'm moving. <laughs> I feel like junk. But I need you to work through me. And he did. And the more I looked to him, it was better. And that's, what, that's the what now here. If I just point you to something practical, because this is what, the Bible is so relevant today. This isn't just something we go, hey, that's nice. No, this is something that, it, it comes in, it dwells, the risen life. Like I said, Jesus wants to kick down that door and work in our life, work in our family, work in our, our, our spaces. He wants to take over the third spaces. Everywhere we go. The first thing we need to remember, the first thing we need to do is to remember who we are attached to. Again, like I said, John 15, it's one big story. You've got the tree of life, and then you've got the tree of life. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word is. Right? That's the idea. And so the tree of life, and he says, what does he say? He says, apart from me, in John 15, you can do nothing. Nothing. Apart from me, you're dead. So Jesus hangs on a cross to make a way from death to life, to refinish and reform and bring back to life the zombies into a new humanity called the church, called you and me who believe on Jesus Christ. Reunited with Him, the tree of life. See, this is why we need to remain and abide in Jesus. This is apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, this is a real simple idea. I think a lot of times we just get this Christian gobbledygook. We get this theological kind of head maze where we, we wander in and we're like, I think I'm lost because I'm not understanding. This is so simple. Abiding in Jesus is just like when I liked my wife before she was my wife. I was like a lost puppy around her. Okay, I, I admit, she, I would walk up the street from where I was working and I would put notes on her car. We weren't dating yet. She kind of thought I was a stalker. Why? Because in my mind, she was always there. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. I mean, if I could have, I would have told her, Hey, Kim, are you tired? She's like, why? Because you've been running in my mind all day long, baby. Mmm. Been running in my mind. So tired. Because that's the way it was. That's the way it was. I couldn't get her out of my mind. I remember sitting there with my friend before we, before I asked her to, to, to I, cause I said, look, when I finally came to her, I said, I want, I want to court you. I don't want to just date you because I believe you're someone I can marry and I want to court you and I want to talk to your, to your dad and I want to talk to your mom because I'm serious about this. As serious as a 21 year old can be, but I was, okay? And I remember sitting there before that with my friend and he's like, why aren't you dating Kim? 
I said, I don't know. He said, all you do is talk about her. All you do is think about her. I'm getting sick of it. Either date her or get off the pot, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, get out of here. Because <laughs> you're, you're just hurting yourself. And I said, that's right. I need... <laughs> Thank you. So I did. And I called her up that day. I couldn't get enough of her. I still can't. 15 years. That's what it means to remain in Jesus. You see, when we're going through our day and we're suffering because we're doing something, the death is coming out, we go, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I love you. You see, in the stench of the day, we need to say, I'm forgiven because of what you've done on the cross. I'm redeemed. I'm loved. I'm made alive. This is why it's all about Jesus. This is why it's all about Jesus. And if honestly, if we start preaching something else, please, as I've said, you've got permission to take me out in the back and shoot me in the head. I'm done. Because there is nothing else. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. That's it. See, I don't need to fear for my future. I don't need to be anxious over my finances. I don't need to be scared for my kids or ashamed of my failures because Jesus rose from the dead. He's alive. And He says, I'm not leaving you. I'm going to be there right with you. And through me, you can do all things. Amen? Through me, all things. Death has been beaten. Oh, death, where is your sting? That last song we sang. Oh, you can't beat that. There's no sting. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be anxious. You don't need to be anything but risen with Christ. This is what people need to see. This is what we do when he says, journey with me. See, when we are tempted in traffic to run that guy off the road, we remember who we are attached to. We don't just say, I'm purposing myself. I'm going to strive not to run you off the road. Yeah, good luck with that, because eventually you'll be like me and try to run somebody off the road. But if you say, Lord, I remember what you've done for me. I remember the grace that you've given me, and I'm going to give grace to the graceless. Not because of me, but because of the hand that you've taken in your power to lift up and give, as you've given to me. When we send our kids off to school, we pray for them so that they will remember who they are attached to. When we go to work and are tempted to just clock in so that eight hours later we can clock out, we remember who we are attached to. When we set up a budget for the month and the year, we remember who we are attached to. When we come home or pick up the kids after a long day and are tempted to check out, we remember who we are attached to. Now, this is the part where you got to do something. Where are you striving? In your bulletin, if you've got it, there's pencils. I like how we have long pencils now, not those dumb church pencils that are like this big. And you're like, you know, no, these are serious number two pencils. You know what I'm saying? We're like, we're serious about writing stuff here. What I want you to do is I want you to take out your bulletin and there's a place right there that says, what area or circumstance in my life do I need to remember who I'm attached to? I want to give you some time. Fill that thing out. Fill it out. Your neighbor's not going to look over unless your neighbor's your spouse and they'll help you with it. Oh, you're really, you need to, this isn't, you know, my spouse is really good. And I'm good with her too. Let me tell you, Kim, where you need to fill out. She's like, shut up. Does the same thing to me. But you know what? This is, this is who we are. Where are you checking out? Where are you not remembering? Fill it out. You see, we, this is, if we just take this in and we leave, it's going to go out. But if we take this in and we say, Jesus, do something in me. We're partnering with the risen one. Amen. That's what God wants us to do, to partner with the risen one, not try harder. This is not an area for you to try harder. See, this is where I really want you to to get this last part, right before the worship team comes up. The last thing is we need to know or now commit to be used as example of the risen life. 
See, he says this. Apostle Paul says this in verse 7, I believe it is. So God can point to us. God wants to point to you. You see, we point to God so that God can point back to us. You see the community? You see the family? So God can point to us in all future ages as what? Examples of the incredible wealth of His grace. Not someone who did it on their own, but said, look what they did when I gave them Jesus. Look what Jesus did through Wealth of His grace and kindness towards us as shown in all He has done for us who are united. Look how they remained. Look how they remembered me. You see, in that situation where they were hurting and struggling in their finances, they remembered me. In the midst of all the trial and the tribulation, they remembered me. You see, it's awesome because in the book of Revelations, He said, I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God and you will not go out from there. Why? Because you remembered me. The remembering ones. Adam's name in the Hebrew, a part of it meant the remembering one. And we forgot. We let death in. Now is the time to let life reign through you and be the remembering ones of what Jesus has already done. It's one thing to remember, but it's another thing to commit to live it. I want to hear good stories. You see, we got grow groups for a reason. I want to hear your stories. I need to go start telling stories about how God... See, I get up here and I tell you stories all the time, but I'm not the only one that's got stories. I can't wait to hear your stories. You see, when you come and you say, man, I was struggling with this. I was forgetting that I was attached to Jesus here and I remembered it and I allowed God to work through me and this is what He did. That's the story. That's the testimony and nobody can take that from you. My hope is that this week you have some stories where you've committed to let God's grace and kindness work in you. I want to bring the worship team up here. We're going to take communion as we worship. And this is the point. You know what? We have the risen one. Why? So that we can rise with Him. He says, I'm not leaving. I'm going to build you a house. I'm building it in you and for you. And I want to, I want to take up a permanent residence in you. And that's what we, so we celebrate with the communion table. We celebrate that His blood has redeemed us, not our blood. His body was broken for us. And so what we do is we come to this communion table, we say, God, these are the areas of my life that I just stink at. And we're honest. We have to be honest. He was honest with us. And we say, I need you. I, I can't do this. I go to work and this is who I am. I go home and this is what I do. I sit there by myself and I... God knows. That's why He's given us His perfect Son. He didn't hold back. So my hope for you is that as you come to this communion table, you say, Lord, You're the risen one. And You want to rise up in me. And I want to live it. Because you've done it. Let's pray. Lord, if we're honest with ourselves, we can't fix anything. You're the carpenter, not us. <laughs> but Lord, as we worship now, help us to give over the death in our life to you now. Help us to give over all that stuff. And as we come up and we take communion, may we know that we are communing with the risen one, not the one that stayed in his grave, but the one that, that beat death and sin so that we no longer have to stink.
and be filled with that death. You are the great physician. You come in and you don't just cut off the appendage, you bring it back to life. You bring it back to life. Some of us are stinking. I know I am. And when I take communion, Lord, I need to give up things to you. So, Lord, I just pray right now that that's what we would do as a family. We would come before you in such a way that says, Here I am. This is me. Lord, be the risen one in our life. So our family, our friends, our neighbors, they see you, the risen one. I commit my brothers and sisters to you now and thank you for the truth that got up on a cross and died for us. It's all about you, Jesus. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.